0: Today, what I want to do is I want to take a look at what what the Bible says about itself. What the Bible says about itself, and what, what I will call today God's multifaceted Word. God's multifaceted Word. And what we're going to do is we're going to be able to observe uh, uh, m- many of the things that the Bible says to describe itself. And we're also going to see this, that the description of the Word is the same as the description of the person who spoke the Word. Oh, come on now. The description of the Word is the same as the description of the person who spoke the Word. Uh, You know, if, if somebody calls your Word truthful, the only way your Word is truthful is that there's a truthful character in you that backs up the Word that you speak. If not, you'd be known as a liar. (laughs) <laughs> but thank the Lord, uh, we have the opportunity here to, to not just learn something about the Word today, but in the process, learn something about the wonderful character of the one who spoke the Word. Yeah. Hallelujah. And I want today, I, I want you to leave this place so excited about the Word. I mean, you're more hooked on the book than you've ever been before. And, and that, that's our prayer. And we believe that will come to pass in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and dig into this, God's multifaceted Word. And first of all, let's check this out. What does the Bible call itself? Many things. So let's get started somewhere with Word of Truth. And let's go to James and the first chapter of James. If you can put that verse up on the screen now, that's James 1, verse 18. It says, of his own will. That's 1, 18. Of His own will He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. He brought you forth by the word of truth. Glory to God. That's how you were born again. The Bible says we're born again not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed. By the word of God that lives and abides forever. So it was that very word of truth that brought us forth into the kingdom of God. Also you see 2 Timothy two fifteen. That says, be diligent to present yourself, approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing what? The word of truth. The word of truth. i tell you, he spoke truth, but it's more than just the fact that he spoke truth. It's also the fact that whatever he says is truth. Pastor John, over the years, has very brilliantly uh, described the difference between uh, 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 us just simply saying that God tells the truth and understanding what Jesus really meant when Jesus prayed to the Father in John 17 and said, your word is truth. And the difference is this, is that if somebody tells the truth, that means that there is a standard called the truth and you're measuring up what you say against that standard. With God, it's not that way. Whatever He said is truth, which means if God said today, grass is orange... Take a look in your yard, you're going to see some orange. Come on now. Because God's Word is truth, that means that there's not a separate standard that God is measuring up to where He's just telling the truth. No, whatever He says is the truth. If He says it, boom, there it is. Hallelujah. And and, and you know, it's interesting, that verse we just read out of 2 Timothy 2.15 talks about rightly dividing the Word of truth. Uh, you know, uh, if something can be rightly divided, of course it can be wrongly divided. But 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 we what we need to do is we need to handle the truth truthfully. You know, we well, we need to be truthful with ourselves about it, and then also we need to have wisdom when bringing it to somebody else. You you need to be truthful with yourself. You you can't you you can't try to go ahead and uh, shall we say cherry pick your favorite verses and leave out the ones that address the things that you need to deal with. Oh Lord, help. Oh, Lord, no, 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 you can't do that. You got to say, I want it all. I need it all. I need the ones that make me say, yeah, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And I need the ones that make you say, oh, my, oh, my, I need to fix that. I need everything that the Lord says. How about you? And uh, you know, one of the most beautiful things about what we're going to see today in all these various aspects, aspects of how the word describes itself, we're going to see this, that, that, that this is not just the description of a book, it's, it's the description of a person. Because this very word of truth was spoken by truth himself. Because Jesus, how did he identify himself? In John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. Are you glad about it? God's Word is a Word of truth, and he's not a man that he should lie. He's not the Son of Man that he should repent. If he said it, shall he not do it? If he spoke it, shall he not? Make it good or bring it to pass. Amen. And so along that line, of course, as we see that it's a word of truth, we also see this that the word of God is a word of promise. Woo! Hallelujah. Romans 9, verse 9. Check it out. It says, For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. You see that term, word of promise. Later on in Scripture, over in the book of Hebrews, it actually says this. It it talks about the the word of the oath. Imagine that God's making an oath, the word of the oath. Now, now, now when God makes an oath, you you know, someone say, well, I solemnly swear that I will do such a thing. And you've heard people say, I solemnly swear based on this or based on that, that I will do such a thing. But when it comes to God... The scripture says this in Hebrews 6:13 that that when he made a promise, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. See that there the was no no other point that God could go to. That, that that I I solemnly swear I will do this to you based on that. There was nothing higher that he could go to other than himself. So so he made that promise based on himself. He used himself as collateral, and he knew he had it too. Hallelujah. So we see this word of promise also called in Scripture, the word of the oath. We also see this wording in Scripture that that, uh, talked about faithful words. We see Jesus in Revelation saying these words are true and faithful. We we see Paul in Titus 1 verse 9 talking about holding fast the faithful word as you've been taught. Someone say "Faithful faithful word. Hallelujah. That has something to do with the character of the one who said it. The, the word is faithful because he's faithful. The, the, the promise is good. You can know that you can take the promise to the bank because the promise is good. And he's got sufficient funds to cover the check. Come on now. Hallelujah. God said, my covenant I won't break. Neither will I alter the thing that has gone forth out of my lips. I'm glad about that. You know, I can't help but think, uh, Sarah... Uh, the, the the way uh, it, it describes Sarah's experience, the, the wife of Abraham, over in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11, it, it, it says that through faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, even when she was past the age and was delivered of a child. And how did it happen? Because she judged him faithful who had promised. So talk about the word of promise. You talk about the promise made, but the promise kept by the person, that being the Lord, who had the goods to back it up. He had the faithfulness to do it. He had the, the reliability to do it. He he had he had the sufficient funds in his account to make sure that the promise came to pass and not just the sufficient funds. He had not just the ability but the willingness. You know, for years in church, people say, I know God is able. And I'm excited about that. But I'm more excited about the fact that God is willing. And able. Because if he was able, but he wasn't willing, he'd have a whole lot in his account that he could use if he wanted to, but he just chose not to. But I'm glad to tell you today, not just that God is able. But that God is willing and that he has lavished upon us every good thing that we need for life and godliness. Can I hear an amen? amen? Praise the Lord. So we see this word of truth and this word of promise. Let's take this a little further. How about the word of reconciliation? Second Corinthians five. Let's take a look there. Second Corinthians five. It says, Now all things are of God. Now, what what things? Well, the verse before just said, "If anyone who is in Christ is a new creature, old things are passed away, and all things have become new." So, it's talking about all these things that are now become new, that you are now in Christ. Then the next verse says that all these new things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us what? The word of reconciliation. My, my, my. So so think about this, that you could not carry out the ministry of reconciliation. Because that, that other verse said, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. But you could not carry out the ministry of reconciliation without having the word of reconciliation. But isn't it wonderful that that's part of God's character that when God gives you a job to do, he gives you the equipment to do the job. Hallelujah. But, but, but what's this aspect of reconciliation? What's this about anyhow? Well, if you look up this word and, and the, the way this word was originally used in the Greek language, it means the adjustment of a difference. Or restoration to favor. The adjustment of a difference, a restoration of favor. So when you are bringing this dimension of the word of God to somebody, that known as the the word of reconciliation, what you're doing is you're letting them know that where the difference used to be, the the, the difference is no longer there. It's been adjusted. There, There used to be a gap, but now that gap has been bridged. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, we sure had a big gap that needed to get bridged. As a matter of fact, let me tell you the words of Job in uh, Job 9.33 out of the New Living uh, Translation. He said, if only there was a mediator between us, someone who could bring us together. There was a recognition that there there was a need for a mediator. Uh, There was a recognition, I'm here, God's there, and there's space in between. And oh, if there was only somebody who could get a hold of fallen man with one hand and get a hold of God with the other and bridge the gap. Well, guess what? Job was hoping for it, looking forward to it. What we're doing is we're looking back to it and celebrating that it's been done. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 says that there is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And so because of that fact, uh, we have been reconciled. Where there was a difference, now there's no longer a difference. Where there was a gap, the gap has been bridged. And the word of reconciliation says that, that Jesus is the one that bridged the gap. So therefore, the gap that once existed between God and us does not exist anymore. Praise His name. Hallelujah. Well, you got the word of truth, the word of promise, the word of reconciliation. How about this? The gospel of peace. Peace. Woo, hallelujah. Peace, the Greek word, arene, meaning peace, obviously, prosperity, quietness, rest. And I love this being set at one again. Being set at one again. The gospel of peace is the message to you that that, and you see the connection between this and reconciliation. The gospel of peace, what's it say? It says that where there was a gap, there's no longer a gap because once was, what was once two is now set at one again. Hallelujah. Um, Ephesians six, check it out. Verse 15. It says, uh, Paul describing the armor of God. He says that having your, shod your feet, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace and prosperity and quietness and rest and being set at one again. Romans 10 and verse 15 describes it so beautifully. And, and prior to that, he said, uh, if, if they're going to hear, uh, how are they going to hear Without someone preaching to them. And then ultimately, as he starts this verse, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? And what is it they're preaching? Let's check it out. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Hallelujah. So there's a, a a dimension of the word. It's called the gospel of peace. It's called the the gospel of uh, uh, quietness and rest. The the gospel of peace. The gospel of prosperity. Oh Lord, how could you say such a thing? But 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 I gotta tell you, even though some people go crazy with prosperity, you can never throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because you can't go and surgically remove from your Bible things because somebody takes it and goes too far with it. It's still in there. And thank God this gospel is a gospel that includes everything you need for the inside, the outside, for your spirit, soul, body, and your wallet too. Thank the Lord. Amen. All right. But, but check this out here. The, the The fact that that these ones who delivered the gospel of peace, the Bible says that the, their feet are beautiful. it was like heaven gave them a pedicure, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> And, and, and so here they are in, in a position to to bring such great tidings. The, the tidings, the gospel, the message of the fact that we can be at peace with God. We can be at peace with ourselves. We can be at peace with our fellow man. That you can live in quietness and rest. And, and you don't have to have distress and stress. You can have quietness and rest instead. That things that have been broken don't need to be broken anymore. You don't have to live life with broken stuff when God has a gospel about stuff being said at one again hallelujah thank God for that and we know Jesus is the prince of peace and we know that the Lord himself is described as the Lord of peace 2nd Thessalonians 316 member of an elite club known as the 316 club you know John 316 this is 2nd Thessalonians 316 makes it easy to remember it says the Lord is himself the the the, the lord of peace himself give you peace always and in every way think about that always and in every way Always means all the time. In every way means in whatever aspects of your life you need peace. He's got it for you. You need peace in your mind. he got that. You need peace in your body. He's got that. You need peace in your bank account. He's got that. You need peace in your marriage. He's got that. You need peace in family situations. He's got that. Always and in every way. If somebody takes God up on that, he will deliver. Hallelujah. So there's a gospel of peace. There's also what the Bible calls the gospel of salvation. And this is all one and the same. It's just multifaceted. Multifaceted, different aspects of the very same word. But you can see how this word is customized to meet every need known to mankind. The gospel of salvation. The the word salvation, I believe it's the word soteria here in the Greek language, uh, referring to salvation, uh, rescue, safety, deliverance, and even health. Whoa, hallelujah. Ephesians 1.13 says this, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So the gospel of your salvation, that's a gospel that, 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 that preaches the good news of the fact that salvation, rescue, safety, deliverance, and health has been provided for you. Hallelujah. And, and, and the way God does things is amazing because you see the, He's got the goods for the inside and the outside. Hallelujah. It's a thorough work that He's done. You know, if, if, if we just had nothing but eternal life, and just had to, you know, fake it till we make it down here. But, but we knew that once we left here, glory to God, we get to be with the Lord forever. That would be all right. Oh, yeah, that would be wonderful. But i got to tell you, the great news is that not only do you have something to look forward to on the other side of this life, but the Bible says that godliness is profitable having promised both of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Which means, yeah, praise the Lord, we're going to heaven, but we got a little heaven to go to heaven in. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank God for the gospel of salvation. And if you're wondering, salvation is a person. <laughs> do you know his name? I said, do you know his name? Yes. Let me tell you this. What, what was the message? You shall call his name Jesus. For, this is the reason why. Why should you call him Jesus? For he shall save his people from their sins. You know, think about this. That, that when... Uh, Simeon, that, 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 that uh, uh, older gentleman mentioned in Luke chapter 2, who got a promise from God that he wasn't going to check out of this life until he had the opportunity to see the Christ with his own eyes. And what did, what did he say the, the first moment he got to see Jesus? He said, Lord, let your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah salvation is a person <laughs> and his name is jesus glory to god let's go a little further can you go a little further here we go word of life someone say word of life, word of life. you know uh, life is a person hey salvation is a person life is a person you know, the, the Bible says, we quoted it earlier, Jesus said in Himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, we see that aspect of life as a person in, in, in the, the words of John the Apostle. We, we, we see Him in his gospel he starts chapter 1 verse 1 of John 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and then later down in the chapter what did he say about that word he said the word became flesh that's what we celebrate at Christmas time we celebrate when the word became flesh we see that same kind of theme being carried on in the first verse of his epistle 1 John where it says that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning what the word of life jesus being called the word of life hallelujah well very fitting because the word of life himself would speak the words of life that makes good sense doesn't it hallelujah We see this, that that the word of life is something we should hold fast to. Check this out real quick. This is Philippians 2. Philippians 2 verse 16 says, holding fast the word of life. And why do you hold fast to it? Hold on real tight. So that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. You hold on tight to this word of life. Why is it? Because when I get to the end, I I don't want to fizzle out at the end. I don't want to go ahead and and be right there at at the finish line and boom, fall out just before I get to the finish line. No, I want to be the one that endures to the end because the Bible says clearly that he that endures to the end shall be saved. I don't want to be the one who goes almost all the way there and then fades out and quits. No, I want to hang in there to the end. That's why I'm going to hold fast to the word of life so that when I get there, that my my running and my laboring would not have been in vain. Amen. Amen. You don't talk about the word of life. What did What did Jesus say? The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You know, one of the best things that you can do for a sick person is speak words of life to them. There is power, there is potency in the word of life that can bring life where there is no life. That can speak life to something that's dead. There is potency in the Word of God that that, that can be spoken to a dead situation and bring life to it. It's interesting that that Paul would talk about in the book of Romans chapter 4 that God is one who raises the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. Hallelujah. Well, how does He raise the dead? Because He speaks life to things that are dead. He speaks blessing to things that look cursed. He speaks peace to something that looks like it's in upheaval. And we're told to be imitators of him. Hmm, hmm. hmm. Well, I said to do that. That's going to get us changing the way we're talking. Amen. So what about these words of life? As we wrap up this particular thought. Well, you know, one of the greatest things that, that illustrate how desperately we need the words of life is summed up by something Peter said. Now, now, Peter sometimes, you know, got to blah, 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 blah. We know about Peter. But there's sometimes he hit it pretty good. This is one time where he hit it pretty good. Jesus preached a, a heavy message. I mean, he preached about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. Some people freaked out and left the, the meeting. Jesus said to his disciples, Y'all gonna leave too? And Simon Peter said these words To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Words of life. Words of life. Where else can I go? Ain't nowhere else I want to go. I want to be where the life is. And the life is where the words of life is. The the life is coming out of life himself. The words he speaks is life because he is life. I need that life. Because eternal life is not just living forever. Because if it was just that, then sinners got that too. Saints are going to live forever in one place. And sinners are going to live forever in the other place. So... Eternal life is not just an infinite quantity of time, but it's a quality of life. And hallelujah, it's a quality of life that God's got for you, both now and in the time to come. Amen. Let's go ahead and do another aspect of God's multifaceted word. Let's talk about something called the law of liberty. Woo! The law of liberty. James chapter 1, check it out. James one twenty five says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Look into the perfect law of liberty and continue in it. Look into the perfect law of liberty and continue in it. James two 2.12, one chapter over from there. He says, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by what? The law of liberty. Now the law of liberty is another facet of God's word. It, it, it's a, a, another dimension of what we see in what the, what the Bible says about itself, how it describes itself. And very much tied to what Jesus said in John eight thirty one and 32, where he said, If you continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, we're talking about liberty. So you see, there's ingredients in the Word to liberate you. There's ingredients in the Word. There's something about the word. It's a law of liberty, which means that if you get into it and you get it inside of you, it has the ingredients to be able to set you free of anything that you're bound of, no matter how long you've been bound to it. Because it's a law of liberty. And by the way, did you know that the spirit that lives inside of you, as a new believer, as a believer in Christ, The Spirit of God that lives inside of you is a Spirit of liberty. The Bible clearly says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Which means that if the Spirit of the Lord is inside of you, that there is liberty inside of you. So if you've got the Word inside of you, and you've got the Spirit inside of you, you know what you're filled with? You're filled with liberty and freedom. Ain't nothing need to hold you back. Nothing needs to hold you bound and keep you a prisoner. As a matter of fact, part of the gospel that Jesus came to preach as he declared it in his hometown when he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor and so on. But one of the things that the Spirit of the Lord anointed him to preach, part of his word, part of his gospel, part of his message was this. The opening of the doors... The opening of the prison doors to those that are bound. Hallelujah. Can anybody receive that today in this place? And say, yeah, I'm going to take me some liberty from the law of liberty and from the spirit of liberty. Amen. Amen. Let's go a little further. How about the word of righteousness? The word of righteousness, or in other words, right standing with God. Hebrews five thirteen. It says, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's babe. You see that? The word of righteousness. Now, if you can be unskilled in it, thank the Lord, we can be skilled in it. We can be to the point where we grow. And, 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 you know, when you first get a sword and you don't know how to use it, you know, you're unskilled. But the Bible that says it's possible for us to get to the point where we are skilled. If you can be unskilled with it, you can be skilled with it. If you can be on the milk of the Word, you can get to the point where you're on solid meat. And where you're skillful with the Word, you know how to use your weapon. Hallelujah. And it calls the word, the word of righteousness. Why is that? Well, let's take a a, a little bit further look at that. Romans 1, 16 and 17. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is, the gospel is, the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So in the gospel, what is revealed? The righteousness of God. You see that? So if you want to go ahead and get into this word of righteousness, and you want to see this righteousness revealed, this revelation of righteousness, this revelation of right standing with God, and the fact that it's God's free gift to you, that this is not something that you pay for, this is something Jesus paid for. Like the old little song that I sang when I was a kid. He paid a debt he did not owe. And I owed a debt I could not pay. And I needed someone to wash my sins away. Come on. And Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. Hallelujah. So so this idea of righteousness, the word of righteousness, this is the word that lets us know that we have right standing with God, that it's a free gift and it is obtained through faith. You have one thing to do, to believe it, to believe it's true, to believe that Jesus did it for you, and He didn't leave you out. You're included. Hallelujah. God's free gift. And I'll tell you what, this aspect of God's Word helps shine some light on what I like to call the great exchange. The great exchange being so beautifully wrapped up in the words of Paul out of 2 Corinthians 5, where he says that he who knew no sin, was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Is there somebody glad about it today? There's a word of righteousness. And if, you, if, if you're not sure, if you can call yourself righteous, then you need to spend some time in the word of righteousness. You need to find out, no, this is not something I'm working for, trying to get. There's, there's nothing I can do to get this. There's no way I could ever get myself to the level where I could have this standing. As a matter of fact, the God imputes righteousness to you, which means that, that, that it, it's an accounting term. God, God, God puts righteousness in your column, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it, it's kind of like this. You came to God with nothing but liabilities. And God had nothing but assets. God took your liabilities... And gave you his assets. Hallelujah. That's the word of righteousness. That's the word of righteousness. Amen. How about the word of his power? The Bible says in Hebrews 1, 3, that he's upholding all things by the word of his power. See that right in the middle of that verse. Upholding all things by the word of his power. Woo, there's power in the word, somebody. The, but we just read Romans one. It talks about the gospel being the power of God, the salvation. There's power. That there's there's potency. This word power is it's amazing. The the word dunamis in the Greek language. That there, there's miracle-working power in here. I mean, what kind of stuff is this? This is the same stuff that the Bible said flowed out of Jesus into the woman with the issue of blood who was sick for 12 years and couldn't do anything to get better. And with her faith reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and it says that, that the power went out of him. Dunamis went out of him. The same stuff went out of him. The same stuff that is available to you in the word of His power, in the gospel, which is the power of God into salvation. That same stuff. You get the word inside of you. Do you realize what you're getting inside of you? You're getting inside of you the same stuff, the same substance that, that, that heals the sick, that casts out devils, that, that, that empowers you for life and godliness. Glory to God. The, the same stuff. Is there somebody here that believes it? Oh, I I heard it. I heard somebody on the front row here. The same power. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. The same power. If the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, what's it going to do? It's going to quicken. It's going to make alive your mortal body by his spirit that dwells within you. Glory to God. So it's a, the word of his power. The, it, it, this, this multifaceted word is also called the gospel of glory. Can you imagine that? The gospel of glory. Second Corinthians 4.4. 4, it, it, it talks about those who are lost and it describes it as this. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel. The, uh, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. I'm quoting the Old King James. There, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Hallelujah! The gospel of the glory of Christ. This is a glorious gospel. First Timothy one eleven, uh, Paul makes reference to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to his trust. Amazing. Yes. Now, wh- what is glory? Now, now we can get into a whole lot. But, but I'll just give you one sliver, one aspect of this. That glory is actually a reference to a weight, not W-A-I-T, W-E-I-G-H-T. You might remember that, that Paul said that uh, these light afflictions, and that's funny, listen to the whole list of all the stuff he went through, and it's called a light affliction. Now, by saying it's light, he was saying it's not heavy. So he said, "These light afflictions are working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory." See that a weight of glory. Someone said, "Woo, that's heavy." <laughs> well, I'm just playing with you there. But 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 you see, when when you've got the 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 weight of, of of the glory of God in your life. That, 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 that means that, that that things that, that you say and, and do. Inspired by Him and inspired by this glorious gospel. Can carry weight. That the same weight that is on His word. When you speak His word. It carries the same weight. You can go ahead and speak His word. And say blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already know that. But when you speak it with faith, when you speak it with conviction, when, when, you, when you plug your faith into it and utter those words, it don't just come out and go, Woo. No, it comes out with power. It comes out with weight because the same weight that is on him got on the words that he spoke. And as you speak those words, it's coming out in your words too. Hallelujah. And we understand this. That when you talk about the gospel of glory, the, the Bible itself is the story of glory. Did you know that? I'm going to put it to you like this. Well, you see, man was created and crowned with glory and honor. But then he sinned and fell short of the glory. Jesus came to bring many sons again to glory. The Scripture says in John 17 that Jesus said, The glory, Father, which you have given me, I have given them. And when this is all wrapped up and he presents the church to himself, how's he going to do it? He's going to present to himself a glorious church. Hallelujah. That's the story of glory. The, 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 the way it got started, glory was lost because of sin. But because of the redemption of Jesus, glory was restored. Hallelujah. Can you say, thank God for the Lord of glory. Now, for those in the sound booth, I'm going to skip over Matthew 4. because We're running out of time. And we're going to go to Acts twenty thirty two. Can we take a minute to talk about the word of His grace? The word of His grace. And two references to, to the grace of God here in, in Acts 20. Verse 32 is the first one I want to look at. It says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able, what can it do? To build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Hallelujah. Build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. What does that? The word of his grace. Now, verse 24 of the same chapter. Check it out. Paul said this, but none of these things move me. Ah, I love it. Okay, can somebody just get feisty with the devil and right in the face of things that are going bad and don't look like they're going right, don't look like they're ever going to go right. But but you see, see that, that little rebellious streak in you is not meant to be used against God and not intended to be used against uh, uh, your, your authorities. You can use that against him. When he tells you, well, this is just the way it's going to be, that something can rise up in you and you can redirect it towards him and say, oh, no, it's not oh no He said, "Well, this is just kind of how it is that you're a lot in life and you're going to have to deal with it and that something rises up and you say oh no the devil's a liar I don't think so as a matter of fact I know it's not going to be that way because I refuse for it to be that way I mean if you're going to be disobedient you might as well disobey the devil when he says when he says one thing you say the other you might as well because he's a liar how do you know when he's lying because he's opening his mouth Anything he says is a lie. Even when he's quoting scripture, he's putting a twist on it to try to twist and mess it up anyway. You see that the temptation of Jesus. That there's just nothing he can say that is truthful. So you might as well just go and say, if you say it's one way, I'm going to say it's the other way. Glory to God. So that, that's my little camp out there on none of these things move me. Sometimes you just got to say, I ain't being moved by anything. And I I just don't care what's coming to move me. I will not be moved. Hallelujah. Have yourself a little attitude. Move your neck just right when you say it. Come on. (laughs) But none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So part of this multifaceted word is the word of His grace, the, the gospel of the grace of God. And it's interesting. Uh, you can talk forever on grace. But, but one, one thing that the Scripture reveals to us is that God's grace, it uses the word manifold in, in one verse of Scripture. It, it's multifaceted. God's grace is not just the, 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 the classic definition of unmerited favor. It is that, but it's not only that. See, they're, they're saving grace, but they're serving grace. They're, they're, there's the grace that comes upon you to be able to serve in the way God's called you to serve. There's giving grace. When, when, when Paul was talking to the people in, in, in the city of Corinth, in 2 Corinthians, about their giving, he said, well, j- just like you've done well in other areas, you should abound in this grace also. So, uh, and and there's keeping grace, the the fact that the grace of God can keep you, hallelujah, that that the grace of God can keep you on the straight and narrow, that that, that rather than grace being your excuse to sin or your, quote-unquote, license to sin, grace is not that, grace is the empowerment of God inside of you to keep you walking in the right way and to keep you from falling into sin, hallelujah. And it's described as the manifold grace of God. That means it there's many sides to it. It's multifaceted, just like His Word is. As a matter of fact, think about this, that 1 Peter 5.10, God is called the God of all grace. Well, once again, the Lord of peace will give you peace always and in every way. Well, here He's called the God of all grace. What kind of grace do you need? Do you need grace to, to be saved? He's got that. Do you need grace in your serving? Yeah, He's got that. Do you need grace in your giving? He's got that. Do, do, you, need, do you need grace re- regarding uh, any aspect of your calling in your Christian life? Whatever aspect of grace you need out of the manifold, multifaceted grace of God, He's the God of all grace. He's got it. You hook up with the God of all grace and with the word of His grace, the gospel of the grace of God, you can have grace... for for whatever you need in life to do whatever you got to do, the empowerment of God is available for you. Woo! Can you handle one more? Romans 10, verse 8. But what does it say? Now what is it? That's talking about the, the righteousness which comes by faith. The righteousness which comes by faith, what does it say? It says this, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, one believes to righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made to salvation. Salvation. Hallelujah. The word of faith. The word of faith. 1 Timothy 4.6. Check this out. 1 Timothy 4.6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine which you've carefully followed. Can you see that? Nourished in what? The words of faith. Paul said, we preach the word of faith. What is the word of faith which we preach? It had to do with this. It had to do with something going on in your heart and something going on in your mouth. It talked about the word being planted in the heart. And you believe it. And then what you do is you follow up what you believe with speaking it. So you got believing in the heart, speaking with the mouth. That's how you got saved. You believed in your heart, in the Lord Jesus. You, you declared with your mouth. You said something. You spoke something. You confessed something. That you believe that Jesus died for you. And that he was raised from the dead. Well, that word of faith, that process of believing in the heart and speaking in your mouth has to do not just with your initial act of coming into the kingdom of God but with every other act in the kingdom because how do just people live the just shall live by faith and so thank God for the word of faith thank God for the ability that we have to have the word planted in our hearts and then As a result of it being planted. See, why is that important? Because Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we can get the right thing in your heart, then the right thing comes out of your mouth. And when you end up having what you say, you have some good stuff instead of some bad stuff. Glory to God. Can you see it? So in your heart, the word is planted. Out of your mouth, the word is spoken. Think about this. Paul quoted it there in Romans 10. But this goes back to even the Old Testament where you see this term. We believed and therefore we speak. We believe and therefore we speak. Can you say that with me? I believe believe. and therefore I speak. I speak. I I believe and therefore I speak. I believe that everything that God says in His Word is true, and therefore I speak it. Everything He said about me is true, and therefore I speak it. That is the Word of Faith. Hallelujah. So let's just wrap this up today. You want to wrap it up? Someone say, yeah, please. Someone say, yeah, keep going. But we're going to wrap it up. And this is how we're going to wrap it up. I want you to know that your Bible is a book of truth-telling, promise-keeping, reconciling, peace-extending, soul-saving, life-giving, liberating, right-standing, empowering, glorifying, kingdom-living, grace-walking, and faith-talking. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you for everything you've done today. Lord, your spirit in this place, the way you've moved in our hearts, the way you've spoken to us, we are grateful. And I pray that anybody here today in this place that needs to know you, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're, you're working in their heart. You're, you're, you're moving on them right now. And I thank you, Lord. And nobody leaving here today without receiving the, the number one gift offered to them, that being the gospel of salvation, the good news of salvation, the fact that you came to save them, and they don't need to be lost and without you another day in their life. Thank you for this in Jesus' name. While you head-